2: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: We've got our
1: take cannons loaded and ready. Ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. Boys are back. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception Reception of the Show.
2: Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Coe, Matt Harmon here with you, and you're listening to Reception Perception The Show. All right, so the draft is now in our rear view window, and uh, Matt, uh, a lot of takeaways, especially from the wide receiver position.
1: Yeah, you know, this was labeled as a, a weaker wide receiver class, and obviously we've talked about how, you know, I agreed with that um, in terms of mm-hmm. when you're talking about the top, top prospects. Uh, we didn't see uh, a guy go inside the top 15 picks. I think that's totally fair. Um, but mm-hmm. we did get a really nice receiver run in the, at the end of the first round. And, um, you know, I, I've i said this a lot, that um, I so much more prefer post-draft analysis of these players than, like, pre-draft takes. Um, you know, pre-draft <laughs> takes are fun. It's great. Absolutely,
2: but 100%. It,
1: It's so much cleaner to tell you about what to expect from these guys now that I know what offense they are going to be playing, what system they're going to be playing in, what um, position they're going to be playing in. And, you know, I think inner inner position, positional designation at the wide receiver position, a lot of position, but um, it's a it's so key and so (laughs) important. So being able to project that for these guys now instead of hypothetical, but in like the real reality is very nice.
2: All right, so we're talking about uh, four wide receivers that go in the very first round. Uh, the first one off the board, I believe, was uh, JSN, uh, Jackson Smith and Jig, but a Seattle. But we also had Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, and uh, Johnston over to the Chargers. Am I right there? JSN was the first wide receiver off the board, if memory serves? Yep.
1: Yep. Okay. Yep. So there JSN you go. Was, JSN uh, was first. It was it went JSN, uh, Johnston, Zay Flowers, and then Jordan Addison was the last one.
2: Okay. So JSN, the first wide receiver off the board, but we're going to use this show to talk about best, uh, best to worst fits uh, in the very first round. So JSN was the first wide receiver off the board, but Matt, go ahead and hit the people. He was not necessarily the best fit in the first round, in your opinion.
1: Yeah, and to be clear. I like all of these fits. I think all of of these receiver fits were so good. I think they filled each one of them filled a very, very specific need for, for the team. I think all Mm -hmm. of them made a lot of sense. I think all of these receiver cores are markedly better after these four players went to these four teams in the first round. So it's really like best to Still good, but just like the others better uh, in terms of the rankings here. <laughs> okay. But the first one to me, and it, and it goes back to what I was just talking about, it's Jordan Addison to the Minnesota Vikings. Because, you know, <clears throat> we have talked about Addison on the show and the fact that his success mm-hmm. rate versus press was right around 51 52%. Not what you're looking for. You know, I mean, obviously a lot of these prospects were higher than him. I think right. I really, you know, look, the reality is he's 170, you know, nine, whatever pound receiver, 173 pound receiver at the combine. Yep. He's a mm-hmm. small guy. And, you know, I think the size showed up in his ability to beat press coverage, especially when you're talking about him as a X receiver uh, against physical press coverage playing at USC last year. And he's running go routes, you know, nine routes down, down the field routes his success rate versus press on those was, was low. You know, it was a struggle for him. Um, Again, the overall success rate, 51.1%. That's at the 17th percentile for prospects. However, I care about that a lot less when he's going to be the number two receiver across (laughs) from one of the best receivers on planet earth in Justin Jefferson, who's going to consistently get bracketed. Who's going to consistently run as the X receiver against press coverage on the outside. Like, if you're going cover two, something like that, you're gonna you're gonna have just incredible free releases, incredible zone coverage looks for a guy like Jordan Addison, and that's really what he specializes in. That is just such a, a great fit. You know, a few people have brought up the stats that like Adam Thielen was top five in, in routes run last year, just ran a ton of routes and had about 700 yards. You know, as right. as that number two outside receiver for the Vikings, I think they just got a huge upgrade in Jordan Addison.
2: Okay, so the big question with Jordan Addison, he's 5'11, 173 pounds. That's what he weighed in at the combine. I, as a matter of fact, I think it's fair to assume he might actually, uh, his playing weight might actually be lower. Uh, this guy might yeah. dip below 170 in terms of playing weight, which is just. I mean that's bonkers to me, man. Mm. Uh, but he ran, uh, and again, he he ran a four four nine forty with a thirty four inch vertical. If that sounds average, listen, that's below average. as a matter of fact, for for a player of his size to run a four four nine and have a thirty four inch vertical, playing in the NFL, oh, oh my goodness, it hurts the soul. Uh, honestly, as a as a metrics guy, uh, to be looking at numbers like that, but we know this twenty twenty one at Pitt. Extremely productive, right? 100 receptions, nearly 1,600 yards, 17 touchdowns uh, for Jordan Addison. 2022 uh, took a little bit of a step back, right? 59 catches, Mm -hmm. 875, eight touchdowns, despite playing with Caleb Williams, who had 4,500 yards passing and 42 passing touchdowns. So uh, a little bit of a step back here for Jordan Addison. Uh, athletic profile-wise uh, and, and, you know, honestly, just kind of sort of game tape-wise, doesn't really profile as a number one wide receiver. But in Minnesota, you bring up the name Adam Thielen. Okay, now, uh, you know, uh, there's there's a lot of targets to be had. We know Hawkinson's probably going to, you know, vacuum in a ton of targets himself. But my major question for you, Matt Harmon, can Jordan Addison, we know he can play inside, can play a little flanker as well,
1: Yeah, I think so. And I think a lot of what we the differences between his production at Pitt and his production at USC can be explained by his role. You know, I mentioned that at USC, they lined him up on the line of scrimmage on 58.3 percent of his sample snaps for reception perception. He was an outside right receiver uh, on 67.8 percent, just a 24.8 percent slot player in the game sampled. At Pitt, he was more off the line. He was a slot receiver for Kenny Pickett, who, you know, um, and again, when he was operating outside, he was definitely doing much more flanker work for the for the Pittsburgh Panthers. And he was someone who was great at working those deep and intermediate in-breaking routes as a flanker. I think that's going to be his best role. Like, again, when you line up, and you're probably lining up Justin Jefferson, again, you're, you're going to maybe bracket him. You're at least going to have cover two on that side of the field. You know, you're going to have a man coverage corner with a safety over the top. You're probably going right. to get a lot of single zone coverage, single man coverage on the other side of the field with Jordan Addison, and he's going to get that free release as the flanker. That's the key thing here. If he's able to, even if like you bring him off as the, a deep, an out, deep outside flanker and you bring him closer to that slot receiver, being able to confuse the corner there with a, an outbreaking route from the, from the slot player, inbreaking route from Jordan Addison, I think that's going to get him free enough to be – a flanker receiver. Um, you know, it's not too dissimilar to the player I compared him to, which was Jahan Dotson. You know, um, right. Dotson uh, played a lot as an outside flanker last year, even though I do think his best stuff probably comes long term from the slot.
2: All right, so Jordan Addison um, wasn't your top prospect, uh, but uh, you know you consider you you had him in your top five. And now he goes to Minnesota. I think from just an impact standpoint, I think it's pretty fair to say, and it's pretty obvious really to say that uh, as a rookie wide receiver, this guy's got the best chance, I think, to make the biggest impact, just because my God, the 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 availability of targets there in Minnesota is just wide open.
1: Yeah, I think he's got the best chance to be the most productive rookie receiver right away Um, Mm -hmm. because of what we just talked about with Justin Jefferson is never going to cede volume to Jordan Addison because Justin Jefferson is just so good. But um, the Adam Thielen role, that's vacated. Look, I think KJ Osborne is a is a nice player, but is probably a guy that would be over his skis as a true number two receiver, so right. he's not going to command a ton of volume. I, I, and look, Kirk Cousins. Think what you want of Kirk Cousins. He can get guys the football. You know, um, mm-hmm. man. He, <laughs> I think he's going to really like Jordan Addison as a safety valve. You know, even when Justin Jefferson has some of those tough coverage looks that he doesn't want to thread that needle. You know Jordan Addison working against zone coverage. You know in breaking routes, his 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 slant route success rate ninety two point three percent. Curl route eighty two point nine percent. His dig route success rate this is un, you know absurd eighty nine point five percent on dig routes. <laughs> right. That middle of the field stuff is such a comfortable bucket for Kirk Cousins, especially in this offense when you're working off play action when you're working with pre snap right. motion. I think Jordan Addison is probably going to be their their primary pre snap motion player. Um, I think that he's got a great shot for you know, to even push for like a thousand yards. I think he could be a thousand yard player as a rookie. Maybe um, that's not what you'd project him to, but I think he has that ceiling, Um, you know, maybe not a high, high touchdown player, but um, I I think that he's, he's just, he's just like a solid number two receiver in the NFL. And that is literally how he was, what he was drafted to be for this team, which is why I love this fit so much. So yeah, I think right now, if you had to, If you had to bet it, he would be the betting favorite to be the most productive rookie receiver, even though he was the last one drafted in the first round.
0: Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash rs10 today.
2: Yeah. Okay. So then we go to Baltimore and right before the draft, you know, Lamar Jackson, Uh, is able to work out a contract there, uh, making him, I believe, the highest-paid quarterback, uh, highest-paid player in the NFL. A lot of guaranteed money as well, basically. (laughs) That trauma. And that's – I got to be honest with you, though, man. Um, I know we're talking wide receivers here, but I was was disappointed. Uh, I think Lamar Jackson had all the leverage in the world – against Baltimore. Now they listen, they could have been down a path of mutually assured destruction. Okay. And I, and I recognize <laughs> that. Um, but the, the fact of the matter remains Baltimore, if they didn't have this guy, they're in the weeds, man. And, and Baltimore and, and for Lamar Jackson, again, we talk about mutually assured destruction. Uh, the, the, clearly the suitors were not there for him you know, uh, Baltimore said, Hey, go and find somebody. And and he found no dance partners. Right. So um, it was a little bit of, they were both a little bit stuck there, but ultimately I did think that Lamar had a little bit of leverage there. I'm actually surprised uh, that he did not either get more guaranteed contract. I I thought the, the, I thought the contract structure is, is pretty team friendly as well. And that's the thing. It's like, why is it, why in the world is it even team friendly? I mean, if you wanted a fully guaranteed contract, I mean, at least make it, you know, I don't want to say painful for Baltimore, but golly, they, they must look at that contract and be like, yeah, let's make that deal. You know, I mean, you're going to outplay this contract in terms of quarterback market in in two years. You know, it's, it's a great deal. I thought for Baltimore now, it's now from, from a, you know, again, from a, optic standpoint Lamar did well no agent you know doesn't have to pay those fees uh and still made a lot of money so so it's good for him but again just just me just spitballing here I I thought he could have gotten more guaranteed money uh and it didn't have to necessarily be as team friendly as it was
1: um you know we all have like we've all had that friend or have that friend in our life that like you know, tells you like, I'm done with my girl or I'm done with the boy. <laughs> like, you know, I'm, I'm done with them. They've treated me yeah, wrong yeah, and yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm done yeah. with them. And, right. and and you just know in the back of my, your mind, like, no, you're not. You're, you're going right back to them. You, you'll be back. You can't, you say that you're done, but you're not done. Yeah. And I think yeah, yeah. honestly, that's yeah. what a lot of this, because sometimes too, it's like you're not doing number one. You're not going to do any better, okay? So I think that's kind of what the situation that Lamar found himself in with the Ravens, which like you know he put out the trade requests and all that, but like right was still negotiating with the team. I think these two, these two, these two, there two were never really going to break up because like you said, mm-hmm. um, Lamar, you know, didn't have another suitor. Like you get a if you are like Deshaun Watson or or Kirk Cousins when he had free agency, like you're a true blue free agent. You're truly available to anybody. Then and your current team is done with you and you're done with your current team. It's it's possible to get you have that leverage to get the the fully guaranteed deal. But I think because everybody knew that whatever nobody was going to give them a fully guaranteed deal, they didn't want to do it. Like the most recent time, it's it's those two examples have not been great. I mean, Kirk Cousins has been fine with Minnesota, but they're there they've just now broken the cycle they signed him what after the 2017 season they've just now broken the cycle of like we extend kirk every year and we kick the can down the road every year (laughs) on a on an average starting or like slightly above average starting quarterback and obviously the watson thing didn't go well in its first year and and, you know there's been a lot of other blowback but um yeah I, i just think like Nobody was going to give him that guaranteed deal, and then nobody was going to draw up an offer sheet for the Ravens that they knew the Ravens were just going to match because they wanted Lamar, and I think Lamar truly didn't really want to leave. So I think it's just one of those things where it was like a fun fantasy, but in the end, the the most rational outcome happened, which is just what happens with every quarterback deal is – Oh, who signed the most recent one? Jalen Hurts. Well, just tack a little more extra money on that, and basically exactly. you, you get that deal. So it's yeah, it's exactly. kind of and honestly, I I just think in the with, with getting into the Zay Flowers thing, like I want to see Lamar in this offense with this receiver core. This is going to be fun, and I think Lamar wanted to play with this team right now.
2: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, let me say one last thing, uh, and then we'll move on to um, Zay Flowers. But I. I I'm surprised that a team did not come through. And in particular, I would have loved to see new England come through oh, and, yeah, and well, offer yes. Lamar a fully guaranteed four year deal um, for, you know, four year deal for what, what's he making? Yeah. So like, we'll give him 200 million straight up fully guaranteed and, and just dare the Baltimore Ravens to turn that down. You know what I'm saying? Cause then uh, they would
1: match. Yeah, right. Great. So then, so then we get Lamar, in Bill O'Brien's offense with Devonte <laughs> Parker and Juju. Oh but God. see, it's the,
2: but see, it's the, it's the thought that new England would say there's no way they're not going to match. Yeah. Right. Like yeah, if, well, they fi- if they did a, if they did a five year $250 million deal, okay, there's a possibility uh, Baltimore doesn't match, but well, you go four year, 200 mil uh, all of a sudden, uh, I don't think Baltimore walks away from that deal. And then, you know, you know, and then Lamar ends up getting what he wants. Anyways, I'm just, I'm just surprised that new England didn't put the, the pressure on Baltimore or some other team didn't put the pressure on Baltimore, uh, to, to sign one of those guaranteed contracts. But then again, that's why they're whispering collusion. That's why. Yeah. Right. Right. (laughs)